Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I meant it this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 245. We are continuing our storytelling series today, talking about Journey into Imagination with Figment. This is an attraction that I honestly have put off for so long talking about this here because it's polarizing, it's painful in some aspects, and it's just a mess of history and future and how this story is going to play out. Yeah, and honestly, it was kind of hard for us to talk about it too because we never got to experience Journey into Imagination in its full glory as some people would describe it. So in that aspect, it was hard for us to talk about it too just because that goes into the history of it. So now we've learned a lot of the history It's so fascinating. There's way more to it than we ever expected. Nope. Untrue. I knew there was this much. Okay. Fair. Fair statement. I mean, I'm not saying I know more than you. I'm just saying I knew that's why I was putting it off for so long is because I know that this is crazy and we're not even going to get deep into this. And it's a good time to mention the goal of our episodes here in the storytelling series is to talk about the story, break down the story that the Imagineers are trying to tell you. So that the next time you ride this attraction, you get a deeper appreciation for it. You experience something new. You have a different takeaway or you catch something or it makes you feel a different way. There's a lot that goes into that. And we try to stick as much to the present as we possibly can. But with an attraction like this, you have to talk about its very peculiar history of how the heck did we get to this point? I also think it's fun to mention that now is a good time to talk about this ride because of Festival of the Arts and Figment is literally everywhere when you go into Epcot right now. I mean, he's a he's almost there year round. I mean, isn't he the sponsor of pretty much every festival at this point? Probably. I just feel like he's a lot more prevalent in Festival of the Arts. Well, Festival of the Arts does hit a lot more on the imagination and the creative side of things. So I think that's appropriate for what it does. You probably see Spike a lot more for Flower and Garden. I think that's the only time that he shows up. Mm-hmm. You always want to call him Buzzy for some reason. Uh, yeah, for, I just think Buzzy fits his personality better. Spike seems a little harsh. And then I guess Remy would be for food and wine. Food and wine. So that's probably true. This is probably the time of year where Figment is most showcased in Epcot. Although recently, I will say we've seen a lot more Figment merchandise. I feel like it started small and it has been growing a lot lately. So we can only hope as Disney fans that that means more good things are to come with Figment. But we'll get to that. So let's start with the history. And I always like to give the disclaimers that we are not historians. We do our very best to try to understand the history so that we can view the current attraction 
with a good knowledge of how it got to this point. But we're always going to defer to the historians of this community if you're really looking for the history of an attraction. So Defunct Land and Yesterworld had a great partnership, uh, two-part episode that they did on YouTube on this attraction. You can just search Figment History and tons of videos will pop up on YouTube, tons of blogs, all kinds of stuff out there. But we'll give you the Sparknotes version or the things that we found interesting as part of this for how it got to this. So essentially, Figment and Dreamfinder is the other person that we want to talk about in this aspect. These were always two characters or ideas that were rattling around in Tony Baxter's head. So Tony Baxter, famous Imagineer. I think he's my favorite Imagineer. And Figment is a large reason why he is my favorite. Hmm. I didn't know that. This is your first time disclosing that information. Well, I think you can hear it in a lot of Tony Baxter's interviews is that Figment is something that was very important to him. And the idea behind imagination and unlocking these different parts of your brain and and viewing things, viewing the world this way was very important to him. And so Dreamfinder and Figment is how he came up with this. But they weren't always called Dreamfinder and Figment in his mind. So it all started when Tony was leading a team developing an area in Disneyland called Discovery Bay. And so if you're looking at the timeline of his Imagineering career. So Tony Baxter started as an ice cream scooper at mm-hmm. Disneyland and he grew up in Orange County in Southern California as well as well. So he was super familiar with Disneyland and he said that he always wanted to work with the Disney company and he was obsessed with storytelling and and the way that things unfolded. So he worked his way up and we talked about it in the Big Thunder Mountain episode that Big Thunder Mountain was his big break. That's where he got to lead a project. And because he did so well with Big Thunder Mountain, he was then allowed to lead the new Fantasyland remodel of Disneyland. And then after that, he was put on a project for Discovery Bay. So there's a lot of documentation about there about what Discovery Bay would have been. Obviously, it never came to fruition. But the key takeaways that you can have from Discovery Bay is that there was a Dreamfinder light character with a dragon, and I believe the sketch is he was green at that he point. He was green. I remember very vividly. He was green at this point, and there was also a lot of steampunk elements to the Discovery Bay area, and there was a lot about discovering your imagination, discovering the creative side of your brain. So unfortunately, Discovery Bay never came into play. However, If you know Tony Baxter's career, later on, he went to Disneyland Paris and he led a lot of the Imagineering projects over there. So you can see a lot of the influences of Discovery Bay come into Discovery Land, which is the Tomorrowland version of Disneyland Paris. But that kind of just lays the groundwork for that's where you can kind of trace back to where Figment and Dreamfinder and Journey into Imagination were born. And these steampunk vibes are further illustrated in, if you're familiar with the very first version of this attraction on the Dreamfinder's vessel, commonly known as the Dreamcatcher. It's like an entire steampunk, what do you call it? Like a hot air balloon meets a bicycle meets a whatever else. It used to be in mouse gear, right? If that's what the picture showed, I would love to have seen it in real life because it truly does embody 
that this is what, like, if someone were to just imagine, like, a crazy kind of kooky way to get around, I mean, that's exactly what it was. It almost even reminded me, too, of, oh, what are those big boats in Florida where you go see the gators? The airboats. It kind of reminded me of, like, an airboat because airboats are very, like, metal and just, like, big and boxy. That's what it made me think of. Okay. So what I'm... What we're curious about is where is it now? Since Mouse Gear has been relocated temporarily for the construction and future world. So where is it now? Hopefully. I mean, they wouldn't have gotten rid of it. No, it must be in an archives somewhere. And if we're lucky, they'll put it back into whatever they're building, right? I mean, surely there's going to be another gift store. Yeah. So let's talk about the different versions of this attraction. So really, this ride is in its third version, if you've been following along, because every time that Tony Baxter came up with these rides or these lands, they always got cut um, until Journey into Imagination opened in Epcot. So it opened March 3rd in 1983. And even though the Imagination Pavilion was technically opened in 1982 on October 1st, when Epcot opened, so it was an opening day attraction, or supposed to be. Opening day pavilion. Yes, the pavilion was open, the attraction was not. So even though the pavilion was open, this is where things start to get a little confusing, because the ride itself had delays. Basically, once they greenlit the ride, they ran into some issues. The things that they were trying to do on the ride, and in the Imagination Pavilion as a whole, were very technologically advanced. And they basically bit off more than they could chew. They were given a very tight deadline and they just couldn't make it. So it opened like five months later. However, what was pretty funny is they showed little previews. They were trying to entice people on just how cool the Imagination Pavilion and the attraction were going to be. So they used Dreamfinder and Figment a lot as just like walk around, like kind of cameo, I don't know, what would you say? Just like performances. Well, they did a lot of interviews. There's an interview between Dreamfinder, Figment, and Brian Gumble, which is weird to see. I mean, so there's all kinds of stuff that they put together to bring a lot of press and eyes to the Imagination Pavilion as itself. So once this version of the ride finally opened, it was like straight out of Tony Braxter's brain. It was pretty much an immediate hit. People understood the reference of what this land was supposed to be. And it was just so technologically advanced, but it also had all of the key elements of a wonderful Disney dark ride. So you saw things like traditional dark ride scenes, but they also used a giant turntable that would you would basically follow Dreamfinder around this almost 360 degree view. And so you you are moving with Dreamfinder as you see different scenes pass by both of you. And this allowed them to have scenes going on simultaneously between you and the next dream over. You can almost think of it kind of like a carousel of progress type thing. Definitely. That's what it makes me think of. And so they had these different, you know, loading turntables and that kind of helped the ride to keep going. So it was definitely an interesting design. And of course, we don't want to talk about this version too much, but 
it was like the gem of Epcot. I mean, some might argue that Horizons or Wonders of Life were, but I think it was knocked out of the park as far as what it was trying to accomplish and what the Imagination Pavilion was supposed to be. One more note on that turntable, and we're skipping ahead a little bit. The turntable is now being used for the loading zone. Womp womp. Which is super lame because it was such a huge piece of this attraction when it first opened. But Well, and it goes with when the attraction first opened. I mean, it was a very long attraction. So something that we love, especially as we look at the stories and the experience that you get to have with these rides, I mean, like getting the bang for your buck is important. Like you don't want to get on a ride that lasts three minutes. I want to say that this ride was upwards around like 15. I think it was like 13 minutes when it first opened. Somewhere in that ballpark. So, I mean, this was a a good long ride with the story. And it's part of the reason why I have to think that Figment became like the unofficial sponsor of Epcot, which is why I think we still see so much of him today. I think so. And just to round out the thought about what it the Imagination Pavilion was like as a whole in this time period was the entire upstairs was still usable for guests. And so you saw think that whole upstairs was called Image Works. And up there you could watch a movie, but you could also be part. That's where they showed like the previews and stuff for that. But then you could also they had like a green screen. And so you and four buddies would get up there and act out these scenes. They would render it together and put it onto a movie that they had already created. Coolest part of all of that, which A, the technology of that in the 80s is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Coolest part of it, Dreamfinder is played by a young Joe Rohde in those films. Which, mind-boggling. So it's my favorite Imagineer and Brendan's working towards the same goal. But as with many other Epcot attractions, the fate of this attraction, this pavilion, everything as a whole is ruined because of sponsorship issues. And so this is a theme for Epcot across the board. It's the reason why Horizons met its fall. It's the reason why Wonders of Life met its fall. There's just so many issues with this model and how it was laid out. So if you fast forward to 1999, Disney is in financial trouble. So Disneyland Paris is having trouble in the few years leading up to 1999. Disneyland Paris, or at that time, Euro Disney, is having trouble getting off the ground. They're having all kinds of issue. Then the launch goes really poorly in Euro Disney as well. But on the flip side of this, Kodak has been the sponsor of this pavilion from the start. And they are in financial trouble too because they are having trouble adjusting to the digital age of film and photography, and they're not able to keep up. So I think it's really interesting. There's a little side note, and we saw this in the Yesterworld video, where he's talking about that Fujifilm and Disney like flirted with each other for a long time. And it was reported that Fujifilm wanted to get in and sponsor stuff, but Kodak kept blocking it. And they even apparently threatened that they would pull out if they built a Mount Fuji in the Tokyo Pavilion, like in the backdrop. Which Which seems like such a stretch. I mean, that's a bit dramatic. I think if you just think about this, though, Kodak and Disney at this point are scared. True. And they're waiting for the other side to balk. And 
So without getting into all of the nitty gritty details, essentially they both realized that this attraction, which had been open for at that point, 16 years, it was in need of a refurbishment and Kodak wasn't able to put up the money that needed to be done to refurbish it. And that's how we ended up with Journey Into Your Imagination, which opened in 1999. Yes. And this was the underwhelming refurb that they got. So this is where a lot of things start to go awry. They take out Dreamfinder. They only show Figment a few times. And basically, when we say a few times, it was just like in a constellation scene towards the end of the it's ride. Like little cameos. Just little cameos. They remove one little spark, which, I mean, how, how can you do that? It's a Sherman Brothers song. That, that's a sin right there. And they introduce us to their new character, their new host, I guess I, I should say, which is Dr. Nigel Channing from the Imagination Institute. And he's played by Eric Idle. And Eric Idle is part of Monty Python, but he's also worked with Disney and many other things, a lot of voice acting that he's done in the past. But the Imagination Institute was not a brand new idea for Journey into Imagination. They actually pulled this entity from Honey, I Shrunk the Audience just directly next door, which is now in the Pixar Shorts Theater, they were doing Honey, I Shrink the Audience from 1994 to 2010. So at this point, it's four or five years old. It's a really popular attraction. So they think, hey, let's just mesh these two together and make it one cohesive story. So there's not a lot out there about how did they convince themselves to leave Dreamfinder and Figment behind and basically just make this an extension of Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. And without going into too much detail, the premise behind Honey, I Shrunk the Audience is that you're coming into the Imagination Institute. Dr. Nigel Channing, who is the chairman of the board for the Institute, is presenting Rick Moranis, Dr. It's played by Rick Moranis as the actor. But the, uh, what is his name? Dr. Zelensky was his name. That's a weird name. Have you ever seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? No, I think the only Honey, I Shrunk the Anything I ever saw was at Disney. I know there was the playground for a long time at Hollywood Studios. And I remember watching this show at Disney, but I also think it was kind of scary. So I probably only watched it a few times. My mom hated this because the dog sneezes on it. I can't remember if the dog sneezes on you or licks you. Or something, and it sprays water at you. Ooh, we do hate that. And so she, don't say we, I don't hate that. You don't hate that no, when you I get don't. splashed by water? No, I don't mind that part. I just don't like being poked in the butt like it's tough to be a bug. Okay, well, I'm with your mom on this one. I think it was the dog sneezed on you or something, or somebody sneezed. It's been so long since I've been at, well, since 2010 when it closed. Yeah, 11 years. Um, But yeah, I think it's, Interesting. So do you think that they went this route because Kodak wanted them to? And they wanted to make this Imagination Institute the focal point of the entire Imagination Pavilion? I mean, it kind of seems like it. I honestly think, though, most of this came down to budget. 
they showed the numbers and it was something just completely sad that they had to work with to do this renovation. I think it was $8 million. And when you think about the grand scheme of things, that's really not a lot of money. And I almost just think that this was a cheap and easy way to give Disney the new like experience that they were asking them for. And they just hoped that maybe like the popularity from the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience would carry over. And I think it did not. I mean, so if you think about it, I want to talk through that list that you talked about, that you, what they did. So they take out Dreamfinder, which, like, what I'm saying is you can look at these sins. That's what we're going to <laughs> Even individually, and they're enough to make you go, huh? And then you pile them all top of each other, and you're like, what? So they took out Dreamfinder. They take out Figment, except for a few little cameos. Mm -hmm. They take out one little spark, like we said, written by the Sherman Brothers. So, classic. That's like removing, I don't know, I can't even... I mean, any Sherman Brothers song. You it's can't, a small world. You can't just take that away. And they replace Dreamfinder, who we didn't talk about this at the beginning, but he was designed to be like a Santa Claus type like a little bit of hokey, a little like just like inviting, a warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah, warm and very inviting with a quirky, aloof Dr. Nigel Channing. I mean, I don't know if aloof is maybe the right word. He's, he, I mean, he's definitely kind of scatterbrained. But if you, and then you, you pile on top of this, which we haven't talked about, the story of Journey into your imagination. It's similar to what we see now. So you're invited in for a tour of the Imagination Institute. And essentially what would happen is they would scan you at the beginning to see how imaginative you are as a guest. And Shocker, you had none. Yeah, and it's like a backhanded insult of like, none of you have any imagination. And so they take you through and show you all the different things that they're working on at the Institute. And by the end, they scan you again. And, oh, my gosh, you're imaginative geniuses now. Thank you to the Imagination Institute. As if you think about it just as a ride itself, maybe it's not so bad. But the problem with this is that everybody's going to compare it to the old version. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't. I guess I can't say there wasn't. Dreamfinder and Figment were beloved. And you took them out for really no apparent reason, maybe other than Kodak just trying to deeper ingrain this idea and deeper ingrain and tie themselves to the Imagination Institute. And if I had to guess, it's because they just didn't want to get kicked out. It was a strategic move on their part to say, hey, we, we're we all over this pavilion now. You can't do anything with this now, Disney. Because they had that the deal didn't go as smoothly as either party wanted it to when it came time to do that refurbishment and to rewrite the deal. Yeah, and I mean, there's always an ulterior motive. And unfortunately, it does look like the signs point to that because 
when you look at all those changes that were made, I mean, kind of like you already said, there's really no other logical reason to have done what they did. And that ultimately brings us to Journey into Imagination with Figment came three years later after Journey into Imagination. So 2002, it comes back and Figment has returned in a more prominent role. And that's where we get into the storytelling of this attraction. So so I'm going to go through the premise and the ride through, and then we can get more back into the opinion side or our talking points as to what this attraction is. So So when you first enter into the pavilion, this is where everything starts to set the scene. And this is kind of what I do appreciate about this ride because they do make it look like you are entering into this kind of zany, I mean, this imagination institute. And you walk in so you can see all the different doors where you can hear like sounds going on behind them. You walk by Dr. Channing's secretary, who's kind of frantic because he's so busy. And then you also get to walk by portraits of the other professors, I guess, who work. Scientists. Scientists. I would say professors who work in this building. So it is kind of setting up the scene for you are actually walking into a working laboratory. Which I can appreciate because that's the direction that they decided to go into. And then, of course, once you board your tram, you get to go to the open house where you get to go through the five different sensory labs. So, of course, that's sight, sound, smell, touch, and taste. What is not anticipated is that Figment is going to join along. And that's where, in this third version of this ride, they brought Figment back. Which we can all appreciate. Which basically he throws the tour into chaos and he is trying to explain imagination and how he views it and how he thinks that we can use it, which is much different than how Dr. Channing thinks that we should approach learning about imagination. And again, it's an interesting dynamic between the two because I get the feeling that Dr. Channing does not like Figment. Do you feel that same way? Well... I want to talk about this later about like Figment's personality. Okay. But I do think he is, he's annoyed by him at the beginning. At the, yes. Okay. So we're on the same page here. And so basically you're going through the first three labs. So in the sound lab, Figment interrupts the experiment. He comes up with the telephone and this train sound. And that train sound is actually from the previous version of the ride, um, which is now a train of thought which is a good play on words. Everyone can appreciate that. And then in the sight lab, Figment knocks the letters off of the eye chart and sings One Little Spark. So this is now the new introduction to the song where they brought it back. Which has been changed a little bit from its normal version to accommodate Dr. Nigel Channing, I guess. Which, lame. We're always going to call him by his first and last name. Dr. Nigel Channing. I just called him Dr. Channing. Mm. Nigel makes me think of the Wild Thorn Fairies. Ah, yes. Now that you said it, I'm probably going to mess up. Nigel Thornberry? Nigel Thorn. Yeah, I'm going to start calling him Nigel Thornberry. So after you leave, the site lab is where things really go crazy. Uh, You get to the smell lab where then uh, Figment takes over the giant slot machine-like contraption and then the skunk smell sprays. Are they still doing that right now? 
Part of me says yes and part of me says no because I, I feel like we've done it both ways. And it might just be like a ride kink kind of thing. But I was going to ask you, okay, so we've talked about getting sprayed with water. Now we have smells and you talked about obviously the pokey stingers. What is the worst one? Pokey stingers. Okay, eliminate that one because everyone's going to say that. But if you had to pick like a... 3D effect that just drives you crazy. I mean, I would prefer the smell over the water. Okay, I could agree with that. I can handle smell a lot better, although I do have a very sensitive nose. I know you do. So, V annoying. That I would agree. So, the smell isn't too bad. It's actually a burnt coffee smell. Instead of an actual skunk smell. Is it one of those? What is that called whenever like you uh you convince yourself of something because of what you, what you see. see. Yeah. I wonder if that's like if you didn't see the skunks on the screen, you probably wouldn't associate it with skunks, is what I'm thinking. So are you saying like next time you ride it, close your eyes and see what you smell? Well, I think it's so deeply ingrained in me now. I can only think skunk because I'm totally skunk. But I want to take a brand new person and close their eyes on that part and, see, and what see what they smell. So back to the ride. Once everything starts becoming a little more chaotic, Dr. Nigel Channing decides that the tour just has to be over because the last two are touch and, oh God, what's the last one? Taste. <laughs> and he's quite scared of what Figment would come up with. So he decides the tour has to end there. It's time to go home. And this is where we start to see a little more of Figment's personality because now he becomes the host of the ride. Um, So from here, Figment takes you to his open house where everything is turned upside down and you get to go through, I guess, his house is kind of what it appears to be. I mean, he's everywhere, which is quite interesting. It's neon. It's, what do you call those lights? Fluorescent? Like black lights. Oh, yeah. Basically is what it is. So you go through his open house and it's kind of reflective of just his carefree, imaginative mind. And then, of course, you get to the finale where they sing One Little Spark together. And the finale is truly the best part of the ride. And every time it scares me because... Imagination is a blast. Is that what it says? It's a blast? Yeah. Oh. I thought it said something about setting it free, setting your imagination free. Well, they do say that as well, but the oh, blast okay. is where the screens and fly the, up. And, and the big gust of wind. Yeah, but I want to back it up. Back it up, Terry. One little spot. If the house seems weird... Figment's house, if that seems like a weird scene, which I understand to a lot of you who are not Figment people, this whole thing seems weird. It is weird. This The house scene is weird because it wasn't meant to be there. That is from the second version of part of this Imagination Institute open house of that was part of their tour. It was never meant for Figment, actually. Well, which is, I mean, a whole caveat of none of this was meant to be figment then figment is not supposed to be in a laboratory correct i mean he's not a lab dragon he's better than that but here we are so for all intents and purposes figment 
is a lab dragon. But of course, the big realization that you get at the very end in this finale that you've been talking about, Catherine, is Dr. Nigel Channing Thornberry has come around and he sees it from Figment's point of view at this point. And he understands that it's more about tapping into your creative side and it's about following your passions and finding that spark. So it's a nice little finale. I think our listeners would be upset if we didn't mention the Dr. Nigel Channing moon. The moon. It's, I, it, I'm not defending it. It's not great. But it's there. It's there and we got to live with it. And that about wraps it up. From there, you leave and you get to go to Imageworks, which is the lesser version of what the Imagination Pavilion previously had to offer. Um, of course, right now you can't experience it at all. So I don't even know a, what they have anymore. A Wreck-It Ralph meet and greet space, but he's not actually there right now. But he's not there. So lots of changes. A, and this is a good time to mention is that that entire area used to be ride. And mm-hmm. so when they cut it down between the first and second version, they cut the ride down by like 35%. I mean, they cut it drastically. So I'm a very visual person. Again, if you're interested in seeing these visuals, you can probably see them in a lot of different videos or online blogs if you want to see what they started with versus what it is now. There's a ton of unused space. And again, I think that just goes to show visually how much of a budget just cut there was, just a lack of funding. There's also a weird point about that between the first and second refurb that at that time period, since it was down for six months and closed off for guests, it then became eligible that it needed to be re-inspected by the ADA. And they deemed the entire second floor was not compatible. So that is a big reason why it was completely shut off to guests is because It was not compliant. We've also heard that about Blizzard Beach. And now (laughs) I wonder, because of the pandemic. How that works. Is Blizzard Beach due for a massive refurb because they were grandfathered in off of these old ADA rules and regulations. And now are they up for reinspection? To be continued, I guess. That's an interesting point. But that's what happened in this case. So I wouldn't be surprised if since it's been unused for so long, it's definitely been more than six months. So let's talk about this story and let's get to, I guess, kind of our more opinion side of this and our opinion talking points. I think the biggest thing that I want to get across on this episode is that I understand the history of this is sporadic and peculiar. Our conversation on this has probably been sporadic and peculiar as far as getting out cohesive thoughts on how this all lays together. Because honestly, it doesn't make sense as to how we ended up at this point with Figment and with the Imagination Pavilion. But I think like a lot of people... I remember our friends Keenan and Rachel went and rode Journey into Imagination with Figment. 
uh, I think it was a couple years ago now. And I remember it was their first time writing it. And both of them were like, what the actual heck did we just experience? And I think that's probably a lot of people's experience at this point. You're probably the same way, Catherine. And I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just basic and I like figment because it's cool to like figment, (laughs) but I do really love the idea of figment and what figment and imagination could be. So no, does the current version do any of this justice? No, it's better than the second version though, but it still can't even begin to hold a candle to the original version, which that's even hard to get across because there's not very many good YouTube videos of it because it, it was, was in the 90s mm-hmm. and the 80s. So it's hard to even encapsulate that. We've watched a few and we've pieced it together over time by reading and talking with people about what the magic of that actual attraction was and how it was the brilliance of Tony Baxter coming through and sharing such a powerful message and a powerful story. But what I'd want everyone to walk away with is the figment that you see has changed. The original figment was much more childlike and he was like a positive reinforcement of all of the positive parts of imagination for Dreamfinder. He didn't have this mischievous or this obnoxious side to him in the past. That is a new dynamic that was created with Dr. Channing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people fall off, both newcomers and old old timers, as far as this isn't the figment that anybody grew up with. And it's also not a figment that anybody really can fall in love with. I was going to say, it's hard to it's like a it's a love hate kind of relationship because you want to love him and maybe he's so annoying because he's tracked he's trapped in the imagination institute with Dr. Channing and he misses Dreamfinder. He probably misses Dreamfinder, so poor guy is trying to entertain himself, you know, for trying to give him a good backstory. But yeah, I mean definitely the first time you ride this ride from my memory, the only time I remember riding this was with you and your family. My family notoriously skipped everything in Epcot besides Test Track. (laughs) Which is so lame. Which was great as a child, because who doesn't love Test Track as a child? But definitely experiencing this ride as an adult, it leaves a lot to be desired. And although I will say there's a cohesive storyline, there is a beginning, middle, and end, which I can appreciate from a storytelling aspect. It's not outstanding. It You look at it and you think, Disney did not do this. They're just not likable, I don't think. I don't think anybody really likes Dr. Channing. And as much as it hurts me to say it, I don't think anybody really likes this version of Figment. There's parts of him that's funny and quirky. You know, I've said quirky like 15 times, I think, on this episode. But I'm running out of adjectives. <laughs> nice thing. ones. but. I think if you can if you can take one scene to take away from this, it's the finale with the rainbows and all the figments there singing one little spark in unison. That's what you take away from this and say how you feel when you see that and disregard the moon 
over onto your left. And just like close your eyes a little. That's just a small little glimpse as to, I think, what this is supposed to be. And you have said it. I think that final scene where you're letting your imagination run free and you can see just how beautiful that is. I mean, I think that's the whole message of this imagination pavilion. So, you know, yes, it has a big part in Epcot. I think it has a big part with Disney as far as what Disney represents for a lot of people, you know, that creative freedom, that ability to use your imagination, to create things, to, you know, everything that we love about the Disney community. I think all of that is what can be encompassed in this ride. It's just unfortunate that that only comes from that last, like, 30 seconds. So here's my question. As we look towards the future, and we're not big on speculation or rumors or anything, but I think we can all agree something's got to give here. And I people have been saying it for many years now. Because how many years has this version been up now? 16? 17? Yeah, I mean, it's quite a while. So, obviously, nobody's really pleased with what it's like. And, I mean, Bob Iger's been on record saying that he wants to change this to do something different with it. That's where the Inside Out rumors got started swirling a couple years ago that he wanted to put that in there. Tony Baxter has also said that he this is an attraction that he would be willing to come out of retirement for, similar to what he's doing for Splash Mountain, to redo it and to bring it back to some of its glory. There's also been rumors in the past that the Imagination Pavilion is just going to be knocked down completely at some point, which it is. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, and I hate to say it, but based on its current version, not many people would miss it. You know who would miss it the most if it went away? Photographers? No. Oh. <laughs> DVC members. Mm-hmm. Which Probably. is sad. Yeah, just because of that lounge. It is fairly nice up there. It's got some good views. But that's sad when you look at an entire pavilion and the average park goer. Not Skips many of it. Not many of their days would be changed if it was gone. Mm-hmm. You, you miss that and you miss the Pixar shorts which admittedly we don't do that nearly as often as we should. Have we ever done that? I don't know. I don't think we've ever done it, to be honest. So you missed that. You missed a gift shop. You missed the image works. You missed a Wreck-It Ralph meet and greet. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) I just think when it comes to thinking about a potential refurbishment You just have to wonder, A, will they ever do it? Like, will Disney ever think it's worth the investment? Pre-pandemic, I would have said 100% yes. Post-pandemic, now I I have no idea. I've always been a little skeptical just because everything that Disney seems to be doing now is so advanced and it does all involve intellectual property for the most part. This has none Like, this is solely, you know, Disney Imagineers, Tony Baxter, who came up with this idea. So it's almost like how much of a draw, besides with diehard Disney fans or people who miss the original, like, who is going to get truly hyped up about this refurbishment? You know what I mean? Like, is it going to get the press that 
Guardians of the Galaxy. That's what I was looking for. That a Guardians of the Galaxy is going to get or a Ratatouille or any of those things. It's not. And I feel like that pulls a lot for Disney. So let me ask you. If you had to choose, now that we have a, a foundational understanding of what Figment and Dreamfinder represent mm-hmm. and what the Imagination Pavilion is supposed to accomplish, if you had to choose between three options, and I know there's endless options, but I'm going to narrow it down <laughs> to three. Okay. They bring it back to its original version with updated technology, with Dreamfinder and Figment. They bring in... Inside Out and make it Bing Bong's Inspiration Hunt something. Or they knock it down and build something entirely new. Which option are you choosing? Selfishly, I'm going to say the original. Thank you. I thought we were going to have to go to marriage counseling if you said (laughs) something Because I never got to experience it. And I want to. I mean, I think... That's how I am with anything that we research and I discover that there's an old version. I just think, darn it, like I missed the original. I want to see the original in anything. I think the same thing about like the Matterhorn bobsleds. Like I want to see the original version to see the upgrades that were made there. Now here with Journey into Imagination, I've just seen the downgraded version and it makes me sad. Downgraded and then upgraded. Yeah. <laughs> what would you call it? Like a half? Like a half step up? Remember yeah. that one time when they made the Lion King one and a half? Did you ever see that? They made a lot of half movies, didn't they? Or was the Lion King one of the only ones? I believe it's just the Lion King. And what, it was about, what was it about? I just remember it was like Timon and Pumbaa, maybe? Yeah. Anywho, that's a tangent. Uh, that's a, well, another Playing off that tangent, lion, I've seen a lot of conversation about Lion Guard recently, how it's just like insane. Insane as in like a good, I can't tell from your facial expressions if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Well, like Simba's kid has like mystical powers with his roar, like they're magic lions. I mean, it's Disney, anything's possible. Well, I, you know, I like to think it was pretty true to how things would happen in Africa, but I guess I was wrong. You don't think lions in Africa sabotage and plot against their brothers? I think they absolutely do. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just don't think they're magical is my point. Oh, yeah. That's a big, that's a big issue. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our listener stories on our opinions. Some of these are harsh. We don't have too many because I don't think too many people have experienced all of the different versions. I don't think people honestly care about Figment too much. Well, and that's my point. I'm, I'm, Are they ever going to refurb something that people just don't care about anymore because they botched it? I can't think that way, Catherine. I have to be positive about this. All right. So our friend Catherine said it's a five and a half for her. I miss the old version, but I love Figment. I would love to see a revamp of it, but I would not want it to change completely. Ryan said he gives it a solid five. I've given the original an 11. Epcot is surfing on a wave of nostalgia. I'm sure that something is being planned for the Imagination Pavilion. Hope so. And hopefully it's a positive plan instead of a negative plan. Instead of a budget cut plan. 
Ashley gave it a 4.5. Having written and loved the original version, this definitely plays into the lower score for me. Bring Figment back to his original glory. And then Stacy gave it a 3.75. I genuinely think it's a cute ride for the most part, a bit dated, but the face on the moon is absolutely terrifying, which is fair. Yeah, all of those were not too critical. I think those were all good. I think it's just a shame of that. I mean, we're both 90s kids. So people who were of age of being able to really experience the story aspect of Epcot, you know, people who were cognizant in the 80s, I guess (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. I mean, it must have. It had to be the most wild place on planet Earth. Well, I mean, because they put a lot of money into it. They, you know, when this opened, state-of-the-art technology, things that would blow your mind. You were interacting with a Joe Rohde dream finder. Like, how cool is that, you know? And to see kind of the shell that it is now. And I think Disney has realized this with Epcot. I think that's why they're doing so much now. But they did just kind of let it sit in the 90s and in the early 2000s until it got to this point where it was not futuristic. Like looking at your phone is cooler than looking at any of these other things that you can interact with because all the other things kind of stink. It really is a shame that now, because we've been going to Epcot quite a bit. Normally on a vacation, we would go to Epcot one day. Mm -hmm. Maybe an evening to have festival food. But really experience Epcot one day. When's the last time we really explored Future World? And and I think we don't even go there to ride Test Track, and that's the only thing I ever cared about. So I think ninety percent of visitors. Well, that may be a little too much. A little much. A majority of visitors are just using Future World as a bypass to World Showcase, and that's really. A shame because I love World Showcase. We've we've continued to fall in love with it even more mm-hmm. in the last couple of years of getting a deeper appreciation for it, I think. But Future World, that's the backbone of Epcot. At least it's supposed to be, and it's not anymore. And I don't know. I'm scared for the future of it, to be completely honest, because I think... Just due to the state of the world and the state of the company, I bet a lot of these projects are going to get cut. And I don't, I don't know. We shall see. Don't want to end and, on a doom and gloom, Brendan. Well, and then our Neverland scores are just going to be. I can't make the noise on. It's it's not a good, not a good thing. A fart noise. Yeah. Oh. Okay. What's your score? So I gave it a very modest three and a half. And again, I do think a lot of this comes from, I did follow the rubric very rigidly. Um, The highest thing that it scored on for me was smile factor because it does make me smile for the most part. I like the song. Is it because I'm singing next to you? Probably. I enjoy seeing Figment. Seeing Figment in a Christmas sweater was a 10 out of 10. So I thoroughly enjoyed that ride. Um, But as far as nostalgia, as far as the actual story, like, it just doesn't do it for me. Like I said, I can follow along with what's going on, but no, it's not one that even when we were traveling down 
you know, just once or twice a year. It wasn't a must ride every time. It is more so for you than for me. But even then, we didn't ride it every time. I'm not waiting for it. Um, Unless I get to walk right on, I'm not doing it. So it was just one of those things where, I mean, unfortunately, it does just kind of fall flat. So my score just kind of reflects that. And I give it a 4.75. A lot of the same things. I was just like a bump, a step up from you on a lot of these. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting. You actually rated it higher than me on refurb. You said you give it a straight zero? Well, no, I just said that it needs to be, I give it like right in the middle of saying that it, it needs to be changed. And you said it does, it just needs to be changed a little, I think, unless you didn't I mean to I think I said extreme makeover. Oh, you're right. I was looking at your dot from last week. Okay. <laughs> you said extreme makeover. I gave it. So he's a bit of a fixer upper. Okay. Yeah. So and I was again, a step ahead of you. A lot of that is I just want everything that was original plus the added technology. The problem is they don't have the track anymore. So what do you give up? Do you give up ImageWorks? Do you give up the gift shop? Do you give up the DVC lounge? All of it. Got it. Because I don't think ImageWorks draws a crowd. And I think all the other pavilions have something similar. Like when you leave test track you have the little interactive thing when you leave spaceship earth there's a little interactive thing like that's very much like an epcot staple like typically disney just throws you into a gift store and they're taking all those away i mean that's what interventions was and now it's gone so i want to keep those little areas because i spent a lot of time in those as kids as a kid i was only one kid (laughs) um and I don't know. But do, if you're not going to do it right, like if it's not going to be done well, I'd rather just get rid of it. That's why I'm just saying like I don't want to get my hopes up because I don't know if they can anymore. I think they might have gone past the point of return. And they might have. Because without the turntable scene, what do you, how can you even do the original? That was the staple of it. That was the wow factor. And now it's your freaking loading zone tell us how you really feel i well i i've tried to hold back as much as i can but i will never buy a kodak camera that's my point here uh yeah (laughs) fuji film for life fuji film for life but i guess i mean that really wraps it up i guess there's nothing else to say we could talk about it forever And again, there's so much information out there. If you are really interested in all of the details as far as history goes, it is fascinating, but we're not historians and we can't do it justice. And more more so than telling the story, it kind of fuels the fire. Yeah, I would say this episode had more opinion in it than we typically like to put into these storytelling episodes. We apologize if you don't like that aspect of it, but it just kind of lended itself to the conversation of this attraction and the story that it's trying to tell. And we want people to appreciate it as much as they possibly can. And if you've never wrote it, you should, you should go and experience it for yourself. Try it out. Maybe you'll love it. 
and you'll give it a 10 out of 10 and you'll completely agree with everything that we said. Because again, if you don't know what you're missing, you know, like if you don't know what was there, it's hard, you know, to take points away for that. So thank you so much for listening. We enjoyed bringing you this episode this week. Um, we are trying to do more TikTok lives. So if you're interested in joining us for those, we just had one this morning where we did an incomplete tour of Animal Kingdom this morning. It was completely dead. Almost nobody there. So In the a, park, not on TikTok. Correct. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we did have people watching. Uh, and we're looking forward to doing more of those. So I know many of you are hesitant to download TikTok, but it's not as scary as it seems. You can only follow us. I'm fine with that. Yeah. If you really want to do that, just to see our content, we would appreciate it. But thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful next couple of days, and we will chat with you real soon. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.